Tēnā koutou, no mai, haere mai, welcome to q I'm Jack Tang. Tonight, manipulation, micro-targeting and misinformation. We're getting you ready for election 2020. And even if down the track it's, it's disproven or you have to correct it slightly or it's challenged by your competitors, it's almost too late. Paul Goldsmith is live with us tonight. Nationals released their economic policy plan today, backing a rise in the age of superannuation to 67 and talking up tax cuts. We're definitely signalling to New Zealand that there's a high tax way to go, and that's Labour, and there's a lower tax relief way that means more money in people's pockets, and that's the National Party. We will dig into that with our political panel. I'll also coordinate all with the new Race Relations Commissioner, Ming Foon. It's his first day on the job today. Is he ready to take on racists, and does he back new hate speech laws? That interview shortly, but we start tonight with the dark art of political persuasion. With a year to go before our general election, political observers are warning voters to prepare for some dirty politics. The battle for votes is increasingly being fought online, and we've discovered New Zealanders are already being targeted with some of the less-than-transparent tactics seen overseas. Here's Fena Owen. Like never before, National is churning out the attack ads on social media. Already, its campaign machine is in full throttle. They've probably made the calculation they're not going to win by going positive. Government relations advisor Thomas Pryor worked with the Brexit Remain camp in London. He's observed firsthand a new style of campaigning in the digital age. I think what we're going to see is, is parties here uh, modelling themselves in some way on what we first saw on the um, EU referendum, where you can get out a bold claim uh, that may not necessarily be 100% true and be confident in the fact that it's, it's a strong enough claim that it will stick in voters' minds. And even if down the track it's, it's disproven or you have to correct it slightly or it's challenged by your competitors, it's almost too late. Cabinet Minister Megan Woods is Labour's campaign chair for the 2020 election. And her party has already accused National of misleading New Zealanders over a bill reviewing the whitebait fishery. A ban? Is it the truth or a lie? Or just a little bit misleading? It's not not wholly untrue, it's simply not true. The fake news sort of scenario is not just in the United States, it's not just Trump, it's not just Fox News. You've got it here in New Zealand. Simon Bridges a couple of weeks ago said one person's facts are another person's misinformation. One person's misinformation is another person's facts. In other words, facts and impressions are now equal. It doesn't really matter what the truth is, it's what you think the truth is and what the person hearing your message thinks the truth is that counts. So I'm Paula Bennett and I'm the campaign chair for the National Party. People don't have a lot of time in their lives to sit down and wade their way through a 40-page document like this government sometimes puts out that literally says nothing. So we are able to take that, condense it down to what matters. So but are you oversimplifying and missing out some of the, you know, it's, it's fuzzing the truth a bit, isn't it? Oh, not at all. Big data and the misuse of it has been linked to some surprise election outcomes. But is there potential here for voters to be manipulated through micro-targeting? After all, marketers consensually mine our data and target us every day. And I think what we can expect in 2020 is that, is that politicians will do, will do the same. So if, you know, as, a, as an example, which appears to have recently happened here in New Zealand, if, for instance, I liked the uh, Toyota Facebook page, 
the National Party were recently doing some uh, Facebook ads around the car tax. I, it seemed I was more likely to see a Toyota model in that particular advert than if I hadn't have liked the, uh, the Toyota Facebook page. That ad is one of two National Party adverts investigated by the Advertising Standards Authority for being potentially misleading. I think it's quite healthy that we've got an Advertising Standards Authority. They can look at what they like, but we'll stand next to it. It's a hard area to regulate. Um, there's obviously clear regulations and laws around political advertising through convention conventional media. Uh, it's nowhere near as clear online. Data gold for any party is the swinging voter, the persuadables. Parties appeal to their fears, and if they sign a party petition, their email can then be matched to their social media profiles and they can be micro-targeted. Social media does offer some targeting tools and I think there's really positive ways in which you can target messages. Um, will it be the same divisive and negative and attacking style? No, that's simply not the way in which Jacinda communicates with the electorate. Jacinda is an absolute natural when it comes to social media and you see the way the country responds. So why in the last four or five weeks has National suddenly got more fight? Simon Bridges' visit to Australia. Whatever went on there, there's been a certain change. So we are really seeing, it seems, a kind of a, a copying or, a, or a, a, a modelling of what the Libs did, which, as I said, was, was hyper-quick, it was aggressive, it was online, it used humour and it used video, and it was incredibly effective. You know, I mean, Scott Morrison won an election which many people thought he couldn't win. He had the help of some Kiwi digital whizzers, Young Nats, Sean Topham and Sam Guerin, seen here on a working retreat in Fiji. Morrison also had the help of a social media strategist, Kelly Boxall, another Kiwi who's recently been working in Simon Bridges' office. National has adapted one of the Liberals' winning tactics and all parties are climbing in. Short video. The key difference from from this election and even the last one is a lot of the online content we're going to see is, is even a move away from memes and things like that to really short, sharp video clips. So, you know, probably under a minute. Uh, generally quite quite humorous if we go off what, you know, um, what went on the Liberals campaign in Australia, sort of targeted and almost kind of mocking, um, you know, over there, mocking the Labour Party, mocking, mocking Bill Shorten. We're seeing a similar thing here. Here's the Liberals ad featuring Bill Shorten. Note the clownish music and Labour's typeface and colours. And here's Nationals, where Shane Jones is the subject. This National Party ad about Labour's so-called car tax is a really good example of how National is borrowing from the Liberals' winning formula. Take a look at this. This is the Liberals' ad three months earlier. As people know, we've been um, talking to the Liberals about their campaign that was incredibly effective. Um, you know, uh, not, not everything's original in politics. And now New Zealand Labour is accused of copying National, who's been copying the Libs. I think they should come up with something a little more original and just kind of copying and pasting from ours and trying to put their own spin on it. I mean, how dirty do you think this is going to get? Look, I, I'm... I'm worried that we are seeing these um, green shoots of, a, of a, a reasonably desperate and negative campaign that's coming through already. If I was the government, uh, I mean, their biggest asset is, is the Prime Minister. If I was them, I would be speaking and featuring the Prime Minister a lot and not even talking or mentioning Simon Bridges. And how about the voters? What should our election strategy be in the digital age? Well, I think voters have really got to 
do the work that the politicians used to do. They've got to be the ones concentrating on trying to get to the facts, trying to pin people down to what this actually means. Because you've got this sort of care with, or this carelessness between fact and impression on the one hand, and on the other side, which I think you, you see the current government uh, demonstrate, it's all about what you feel. You know, I share your concern. I'm with you. I'm not actually going to do anything, or I'm capable of doing nothing. It's really contingent upon all of us as voters to be to be cautious, actually, and to realise that, that you know, information we see online cannot necessarily be trusted. This election in particular, it's going to be at the forefront and, um, and we're all going to have to, you know, approach with care. Yeah, very interesting. Fiona Owen with that report. New Race Relations Commissioner Meng Foon is here tonight. Can he hold Kiwis to account on racism? And our political panel is back, Matthew Hooten and Matt McCartan. But next, National will hike the age of superannuation eligibility to 67 if they win power again. Is this an election winner? And are they committing to tax cuts? Finance spokesperson Paul Goldsmith is here next. No my hi to my welcome back. Tackling our ballooning superannuation bill is often regarded as the third rail of politics, an issue just too controversial for any party that's hoping for a future in government. At the last election, National under Bill English campaigned on raising the age of superannuation eligibility to 67. The transition date was set for 20 years in the future, avoiding any pension panic for baby boomers and most of Generation X as well. Today, National confirmed it'll be doing it all over again in a 40-page finance discussion document. National Finance spokesperson Paul Goldsmith. Tēnā welcome to Q&A. G'day. So you have committed once again to raising the age of superannuation eligibility to 67 by the year 2037. If this is such an important issue, why wait 18 years? Oh, because it's important to let people plan for their retirement, send a long signal. There's not an emergency that we need to deal with next year. Uh, we've got the money to pay for superannuation uh, for people who are older. Uh, but we do need to send a signal uh, down the line uh, in order, the fact that we're living longer, healthier lives, mm. uh, which is a great thing, good thing to celebrate, but we need to go about it in a sustainable manner. Australia's sending a signal. They're raising the age of super to 67 by the year 2023. Yeah, well, they're moving faster, but we're not in quite the same uh, crisis. Uh, in that sense, we, we've got the opportunity to send that long signal. Uh, and a lot of you know, strange things are said. I saw the Prime Minister saying, you know, she's gonna, never going to change it. Uh, for five years, she was saying, uh, like the Labour Party, that, oh, no, the John Key had his head in the sand and the great Zimmer frame in the room was this uh, unsustainable super. Uh, and now she's proudly put her head in the sand uh, and it doesn't sort of make any well, sense. Well, let's just pause for a moment and, and consider the situation we're in. We know that at the moment superannuation costs... 30 million New Zealand dollars a day. That'll be 100 million by the time this policy, a day, by the time this policy uh, came into force. But consider we will be in just 2030. Today, the work to retirement dependency are five workers to one retiree in New Zealand. By 2030, in just 11 years' time, it'll be two to one. So there is a looming crisis, and it comes a lot sooner than this policy. Well, uh, you, you're suggesting we move faster. Well, maybe, but the, the, the thing is... Is that uh, something you consider, moving uh, faster? Something that we've looked at, but the reality is uh, that New Zealand actually spends relatively little on super. And when you look at international comparisons at the moment, you know, Germany's uh, up over 10% of GDP, whereas you know, when you take the, 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 the net cost of it, it's quite light in New Zealand, around 4%. It'll increase a bit. We've got more older people as a percentage of the population, so you'd expect to spend more. But it's not out of control, and it's not unmanageable. And if we, like I say, if we send that signal, 
it'll raise, it'll lift up in about 20 years' time, mm. uh, then that makes the whole system sustainable. So 20 years is a convenient time, though, isn't it? Because what this means is baby boomers who have benefited from free education at universities, who have benefited from rampant residential housing speculation, will enjoy retiring at 65, while younger generations pay for it, and when it comes... Yeah. Turn for them to, to enjoy yeah, but, superannuation but they, I mean, and they'll have to wait. Yeah, but there's a lot of people out there who think that they're not going to have access to this uh, superannuation that we have in New Zealand. They think it won't be sustainable. And the point we're making is actually, no, mm. we can make it sustainable. You can look forward to a universal super in New Zealand, uh, particularly if we if we adjust the ages, which is you know, just a reflection on the fact that we're living longer, yeah. healthier lives. And what, what about people in, in manual jobs whose bodies might not hold out in their chosen profession? Well, 267. Yeah, well of course, but you don't have to do the same job all your life. And that's the, the thing that you know, everybody's learning, uh, that you can do lots of different things. You can be more active physically, younger, and then go off and do something so different. So what are you trying to build a who's, who's been building for 40 years? What do you, what do you retrain you, them I, as? I, I don't know. My experience of builders is they're very adaptable people. They can come up with all sorts of things. You never know what people can do uh, at different stages of their lives. And I think that's one of the great challenges, of course, that we've got as a, as a, as a country, that you know, we are living longer, healthier lives. Uh, we're in an age where... Um, people will go through more careers in the course of their lives, and so it's important that we've got a, you know, a tertiary system that can, can, people can keep training throughout their lives in, a, in an easy and, and effective way, and all those sorts of things are things that we should be thinking about. Just imagining an average builder at 60 retraining as a graphic designer, Paul, and I'm not sure I can quite I don't know about it. that, Let's but you can do different things. You never know, there might be a, a graphic designer in there. Let's talk about housing. Um, the centrepiece of your policy in housing is to reform the Resource Management Act, of course, throughout your nine years in government, you promised to do the same thing. You weren't able to manage it. What, yeah, what saw, makes you think it'll be different? And I saw our mate Peter Dunn uh, on there before, and uh, for six years he didn't never vote for him. It's not about Peter Dunn. How, how are you sure that you'll get it through this time? Oh, well, that's, the, that's what we'll be campaigning for. And, uh, but you've campaigned on it in the past. Yeah, I mean, we, for nine, years, yeah, yeah, nine years you were in power, and you yep. said we, are, we yep. are reforming the resource management, yep. and, and we couldn't and we, get it done. And we didn't have the numbers in the House, and it is an internal frustration. And uh, notice that the, the current government's been talking about the fact that they might do something and we hope they will but they never supported us in the past and the point of this document and is you know we've, we've often talked about uh, you know everybody expects national to be careful with the spending and to have lower taxes uh, they expect us to have a good clear plan to grow the economy and uh, people are worried about that at the moment there's a time of real anxiety about that uh, the, I suppose the third aspect that we're focusing on also in this plan is to have a real equal focus on trying to reduce the costs for New Zealand families. Because it's one thing, you know, if, if your income's doubled, but mm. the cost of critical things like housing has grown even faster, then you're not getting as far yeah. ahead. So that's why we've got that focus on, on, on costs, and let, housing's let, let a big one. OK, you, let me stick with housing then. I mean, there's nothing that you can tell me about your approach to RMA reform that is any different from the nine years you were in government. Well, we want to get on with it. Yeah, we, but I mean, you've said that in the past. What, yeah. what about the Bright Line test? You'll return that to two years from the current five years. Mm. Uh, you'll return the ability to ring-fence losses. So are you expecting landlords will lower rent? Well, as a result of the, the, the point there is that uh, it's not compulsory for people to rent out their houses. Mm. Uh, and in the short term, if you pile on costs to landlords, uh, and that, that, that's just one of a number of things that have happened over the past couple of years in government, uh, if you keep on piling on the costs and making it difficult uh, and taking the rules, uh, making them more difficult for landlords, people will draw from the market. And in the short yeah. term, that leads to a shortage of supply and the, the price is going up. So what we've seen, rents have gone up significantly in the past two years, and that's really added pressure to New Zealand families. Let's talk about those rules. What regulations specifically would you like to scrap? Uh, well, there's, there's a, um, a clear plan in our 
in our economic document to take out two existing regulations for every new one you want to put in. Yeah. And that's sending a signal. Sorry, okay. you're just talking about housing no, no, regulations. You, well, what would you do in housing, in the housing space? What would you get rid of? Oh, well, I mean, there's a whole pile of rules. I mean, one example is just uh, that if you want to pull the car carport that's not attached to a house, uh, you have to go through hoops of fire and, and uh, have a consent. Well, why? why? What, I mean, you what, can get what, it what out of the kitchen and put it on. What about healthy homes? What about healthy homes? Would you, would you look to change any of the rules there? Are you, oh. are you unhappy with the insulation requirements for landlords? Well, the point we make on all that is that, yes, a, a whole lot of these things make absolute... I know, so, so what would you get rid of, though? Well, if... I think, no, well, well, the point is we've got to dial back on the continual addition of new regulations. Sure, so They've we... been accumulating uh... like dust. And so the, the point of the whole exercise is to say, before so you, you, before you add another layer... No, no, well, no but well, let's not be clear about that. Well, well, I mean, you, you're well, not necessarily yeah, yeah. going to get rid of those We're regulations. We're not going to necessarily get rid of that particular regulation, right. but there's no end of other regulations that we can work on. The, the, the discipline that we're trying to establish is that before uh, the, 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 the officials come along with a new, mm. uh, new regulation, because every week in Parliament and Government, uh, somebody comes to you with an idea that there's a problem that needs to be solved and mm. here's a regulation to do it. Before they just slap that on and add another layer of dust to the, to the mm. regulations that New Zealanders have, they've got to think twice and they think, oh, well, we've got to, got to take some out. Okay. That's it's a good discipline. You, you're going to get rid of two regulations for every new regulation That's right. you're set uh, a you, you introduce. You're going to set a bonfire, as you say. <laughs> Um, it's interesting because I, I went back and looked at the Rules Reduction Task Force, which yes. was introduced in, in your yep. last government. Yes. The executive summary from that task force, who were of course charged with reducing regulation, was it was a surprise to us to find out that a number of the loopy rules are in fact just myths. They are misinterpretations and misunderstandings that have been repeated so often they've taken on the status of facts. Ah, uh, yep, but that doesn't mean there's not plenty of material to work with. And I think, I think if you're talking... You and we're, 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 we're putting... We're, and we're putting this, I mean, this is a discussion document. We're trying to get a discussion. Mm. I'm very confident uh, that when uh, you know, your viewers tonight will all have instances that they can think of, of of rules and regulations that cost money and don't add value to your lives. But, but and and we're, your, we're keen to hear from them. But apparently your rules reduction task force, the task force you specifically set up for explicitly yep. this role... Yeah, but they didn't say all of them. Find, ..couldn't find the same problem. They found lots of problems. You, you, um, you in your discussion document, and, and it is a, it's a significant text, 40 pages, yeah. uh, you identify New Zealand's economic challenges, what is changing in New Zealand's economic landscape and, and, and in a global context yeah. as well. Um, it's interesting to consider some of the things you've identified, an ageing workforce, which we've talked about, technology, globalisation. Not once in this document do you mention climate change. Do you anticipate climate change impacting New Zealand's economic future? Yes, it very may well do. Yeah. So, so why is it not in there? I don't know for a particular reason. Uh, what we were talking about there was the you know, challenges around the workforce and the um, you know, the, people talk about the future of work and... But climate change will affect that significantly, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. It's not and, mentioned in the story. Well, well, I wouldn't read too much into that. Uh, we, we've, we've had another document. This is the fourth mm. of the discussion documents that were released. Okay. We've got one on the environment. On, on the subject of, of climate, then, um, you, you want to reinstate oil and gas exploration. Is oil part of New Zealand's future? Well, uh, well gas certainly, uh, and yes, I mean, look... The reality is that, as, as far as I've been looking around, I, I can only find two countries in the world that think they're so rich that they don't need to look for oil and gas. So if we, come across, if we come across a, a massive, massive well, got, oil, oil field, yeah, we should... We've got we to make should. a living in this country. And uh, the reality is that most of the stuff that we're getting in New Zealand is mm -hmm. gas, and that's a good transition uh, fuel mm -hmm. uh, away from... Uh, from 
you know, we're, right now we're importing coal uh, from, from Indonesia at the moment to do things, and so you know, we should be looking for uh, oil and gas. Will you offer tax cuts, income tax cuts, going into the 2020 election? Well, we haven't ruled that out. Uh, what we've said so far is we're going to adjust the rates for inflation. Because every 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 year the government nibbles a little bit more for for inflation. And you're considering the corporate tax rate as well, but yep. you haven't yet decided whether or not you will offer income tax rates. That'll come later in the campaign. That'll, that'll come later in the campaign. Okay. I mean, we, we certainly know that when we left government in 2017, yeah. we left the government with big surpluses. Uh, we have a bad feeling if we get in uh, next year, we won't be inheriting big surpluses. So we've got to wait and see what the landscape is. Let me ask this finally of you. You say in this document that we are chase, uh, that, that we are facing a changing world, we are, we are facing a fast-changing global economy, but the majority of ideas in here are old ideas. You, you want to... That? Well, no, no, I mean, you want to you return the Bright Line test to, there's, there's to, two, years, to yeah. two years, for example. Yeah. You, you want to cut down on regulation. Well, you had a, a rules reduction task force in your last term sure. in government. You want to return the housing market effectively to what it was. You want to reform the RMA, which is what you've promised uh, to yeah, do in yeah. the past. Yeah. Where, where are the new ideas? Where, uh, uh, where's, well, where's well, the Paul Goldsmith yeah, yeah. stamp well, on the, this? The, the big stamp there is that absolute extra focus on reducing the costs for New Zealand families, uh, reducing the cost structure. But, you know, Know, on the growth, growth plan, well, we're talking about you know, freeing up New Zealanders to innovate around biotechnology, for example. You know, we need to be uh, reaching out there and coming up with new ways of doing that. We need to be doing all sorts of things. But, but the most important thing that a government can do is restore confidence. Uh, what we've seen is a real drop in business confidence over the last uh, couple of years of this government. And w when you haven't got the confidence, you're less likely to invest. And people get jobs. Mm. Uh, and have opportunities to get good incomes if somebody somewhere is making that investment. That's why that business confidence is so important. So we want to restore confidence, want to revive the economy, so that we can lift our aspirations as a country and, you know, and, and earn the, the incomes that we want and, and solve the problems that we want to solve. Well, I'm sure we will continue this conversation um, many times over the next year or so. Paul Goldsmith, Tenakwe, thank you for your time. Let's see what Jenny has planned for us on tonight. Thanks, Jack. Tonight, what to do about our climbing suicide statistics? We have one of the worst rates in the OECD. Is Netflix partly to blame? A peek at National's bag of treats before the next election, how it wants to win your vote. A government department security breach prompts new rules for websites holding your personal data. Plus, the Kiwi trendsetters who have been planning their outfits all month finally have their time to shine. Yes, it's Fashion Week. Join us for all that and tomorrow's weather at 10.30. Have you got your outfit sorted, Jack? <sighs> Jenny, I'm offended you even have to ask that. <laughs> Do you seriously think I woke up like this? Girl. <laughs> Send us your thoughts. We're on Twitter at NZQ&A. You can email us at Q&A at tvnz.co.nz. Of course, we podcast the whole show as well. The panel is coming up, but next... New Race Relations Commissioner Meng Foon on why he wants the job and whether he thinks it's time to change New Zealand's hate speech laws. Kia ora te whanau, welcome back. Fluent in te reo Māori, English and Cantonese, Meng Foon was for many an obvious choice for Race Relations Commissioner. The former Gisborne Mayor was officially welcomed into his new job today, but now the hard work begins. He's tasked with promoting happy race relations in a country that has more prejudice than many of us like to admit. Ming Fun Tenakwe, welcome to Q and A. Tenakwe, Jack, and Kaitaha no te Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, why do you want the job? 
Why? Um, I think it's a natural extension of my current job, you know, because my current job, or my previous job as Mayor, which I retired on Thursday, um, actually is to do with harmonious communities. It's actually to actually facilitate and to create a positive uh, community and also to ensure that our future generations um, come through as great citizens and contributing citizens. So um, I've, I've served all my life, you know, from the time of our veggie shop when I was seven, right to the time I was elected onto council, became mayor, and this job just fits in like a glove. So I just want a better New Zealand, a great New Zealand. Is New Zealand racist? Yes, um, in, in quite a few areas it is. You know, there's that unconscious bias, um, casual racism, um, direct racism is really bad. Discrimination of all sorts. Uh, we do have an issue, but then on the other account, you know, when the massacre happened in Christchurch, mm. um, thousands of New Zealanders actually came out and um, supported the uh, grieving families and said, hey, this is not our country. So let's work on that and let's build on, mm. on, on the goodwill of um, good New Zealanders. When you consider the importance of this role, do you think it's important that the Race Relations Commissioner is a person of colour? Um, I think the Race Relations person needs to actually reflect the community. Um, definitely, you know, as our country becomes more olive in colour, I think 49% of the ethnic minorities uh, mm. from Asian, Pacific, Māori um, are going to be the majority minority uh, very soon. So, um, I'm, I'm, look... I am the Race Relations Commissioner for mm. all New Zealanders. I know you are, but it's, it's a tricky question, I know. I know. Do, you think, do you think consistently this should be an absolute no-brainer when it comes to this role, that the person in this role should be a person of colour, someone who has experienced the real tough end of racism in this country? Yeah, no, I think somebody, uh, the person that's in the job, should have a love for people and have the skills to actually articulate um, the messages and facilitate and to actually bring out mm. the debate um, in our communities and let's chat about it. Let's not hide away in silence. Mm. Um, you know, if you have a problem with racism or any discrimination, report it, please. Have you been racist? Yeah, I, I have um, been in the past. You know, um, we used to tell Māori jokes and... Um, Irish jokes and Chinese... Oh, actually, you know, I, I, when I was at school, I actually brought home a joke, um, uh, pulled the wrong tit, and out came a buckle of shit, and that was Chinese, right? And right. my father said, don't you cheeky yourself. Well, we didn't know any better. Yeah. And so um, there was used to be lots of jokes about different uh, ethnicities from Irish, Scottish, Maori, mm. Chinese. Um, it's, yeah, we learn. There's no, there's no doubt, clearly, clearly you, you have an incredible gift for, for connecting with people of all sorts of different communities, but do you find yourself, even with your background and your, your history in politics, do you find yourself sometimes falling to unconscious bias? Um, I've learnt, OK, don't judge the book by its cover. You mm. know, I've had 24 years as, um, in, in public life, um, 18 as the mayor, and you know, some people that walk into the office, you cannot judge what they are mm. going to chat to you about, where they come from, what their status in society is, whether they're rich or poor, or in work or not in work, you don't know till they actually talk to you. So very important for me, um, born with two ears, is to listen. Are Māori progressing sufficiently in New Zealand? Um, I think Māori could 
continue to uh, improve their um, status in, in um, society, more particularly in uh, education mm. um, and in economics. Um, those are very important parts. And it's good to see, you know, the Treaty of Waitangi claims um, coming to fruition for a lot of um, iwi. Um, but the, the biggest thing is, does it filter down? Mm. And so does it create jobs? And in, in some cases, it does. How, how can you improve maori Um Look, one of the things I'm really keen on is actually acknowledge the story of the New Zealand wars, the government and Māori themselves. Mm. I mean, that was the biggest uh, travesty of racism, of, um, of confiscation, mm. taking economics, suppressing culture um, in New Zealand. So should uh, teaching... Should teaching the Māori wars or the land wars or the New Zealand wars as they're known, should teaching that history be compulsory in New Zealand schools? Oh, absolutely, yeah. All, all New Zealand stories actually should be told. Um, I think there, sh there is room for um, maybe 10 or 20% mm. of other stories because what is Napoleon's um, or Queen Victoria or the... Um, the Austri uh, Australian but at the moment, there is nothing in the New Zealand curriculum that dictates that we specifically teach these stories. No, but in Tairawhiti, in Gisborne, um, the schools are really keen. And it's great to actually see... You hear see it all the time the schools are keen, but, but at the moment, no, we have resources. nothing that actually dictates it. No, there's nothing that dictates it, but the, I think the, it's coming to mm. be acknowledged mm. by the boards of trustees and the principals of many schools mm. that learning our history is important. But the important thing is actually for the ministries to actually provide the information, to actually get the stories from mm. the places where they come from, not by somebody else telling the stories. Should we change our hate speech laws? Look, hate speech is a big issue, right, for some. And one of the things that I'm keen on is actually investigating the areas that do need changing and strengthening because we do need to actually make sure that the freedom of speech is important as yeah. well. But I don't want speech from people that actually harm or create unsafe places for people. We know the government is reviewing hate speech laws at the moment and the laws are covered by various disparate yeah, bills sure. at the moment. So your opinion, just to be 100% clear, is we need to change those laws. We need to change them because there are um, hate speech laws mm. across around about 10 different jurisdictions around the world. Would different hate speech laws have prevented the Christchurch attacks? I don't know. I don't know. And um, look, the Christchurch um, attack um, came right. I'm not quite sure whether it came out of the blue because I'm not in the intel. Um, but definitely, there's the inquiry that's happening at the but, present but time, I mean, and the, that may bring the up inquiry into the hate speech laws has been has been sparked by the Christchurch attacks. But some critics have said, well, actually, even if we tighten up these laws, there was nothing published online necessarily that that would have stopped this individual. Look from the Christchurch, there have been copycat mm. incidences of shootings in America. So if we can prevent hate speech and the responsibilities of sharing, mm. that should m hopefully mitigate. I won't say it would eliminate, but it would, should mitigate hate speech and hate speech um, insightfulness. Now that you are no longer officially a politician, I want to get your opinion on another issue. New Zealand doesn't admit refugees from Africa and the Middle East unless they have family members here. Of course, the rule doesn't apply to refugees from other areas. Is that racist and should it change? Yeah, that's discriminatory, absolutely. Um, I, I understand that it used to be two or three 
um, out of 10 that actually came from Africa and Middle East, um, now it's 1 in 20. So why is that? So I understand that the government's actually looking at changing the government, And the government should change it, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The Human Rights it, Commission has been pretty quiet on this subject up to this point. I'm not quite sure. I haven't read any um, articles regarding it, but I'm, I've got a keen eye on um, what's happening around the country. Should the Crusaders change their name? Crusaders? Um, it's interesting, you know, I, I, I quite like the uh, name Crusaders. Um, I, I, I have read the history, okay? So, you know, in terms of long time ago, um, there were, f um, both sides were very ruthless um, from the Muslim Arabic uh, Middle Eastern, they were ruthless. And so were um, the Crusaders ruthless in claiming back their territory. I mean, not all of Spain was actually mm. um, Muslim. And then the Crusaders no, came it, along. It is still so. a, 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 the name given to a religious war, a religious jihad for use of another term. You don't think it's inappropriate? Look, I'll leave that to the Crusaders. But You're not a politician anymore. I know I'm not a politician. Um, it's really up to them, really, though, isn't it? I, I have my opinion, OK? And your opinion is they should keep it? I, I don't mind. But, hey, um, if, if they want to change it, change it. What will success be for you in five years? Success to me will be that we have actually given confidence to um, all New Zealanders to actually participate in New Zealand life, to actually be able to have confidence to speak to organisations, to yourself, to the government, to local government, and um, continue to build on the harmonious communities that we hope to create. Um, the other success is actually that we're actually acknowledging our history and telling our own stories um, at our at our own place, mm -hmm. really. And um, I'd love to actually see a commemoration of the Māori Wars, uh, New Zealand Māori Wars. When you say that, like a, a national holiday? It could be a national holiday. Would that be appropriate? I a think public, so. A public holiday? Well, it's the biggest deal in the whole history mm. of New Zealand. Okay. And if we can't commemorate that um, some way respectfully, mm. I mean, you have a look at all the other holidays mm. from... Labor Day to Easter to Good Friday to Christmas to... Well, we could add another one. Tēnākwe. Thank you so much. Sure, good luck in your job. Yeah. Ming Fern. <laughs> we will bring in our panel after the break. Matthew Hooten and Matt McCartan will talk about new campaign tactics, old national policies and a curious political play by Judith Collins. That's next. Kia ora, welcome back to Q&A. It's panel time. Here tonight, Matt McCartan, the former Labour Chief of Staff, now Campaign Manager for John Tamahiri and his bid for the Auckland mayoralty. Interesting gig. And Matthew Hooten, PR consultant and political commentator. Tēnā kōrua. Thanks for being here. Let's start with National's Economy Discussion Document. Is this 40-page document, Matthew, enough to win National an election next year? No, and it's not intended to, but I think it's an incredibly bold move for an opposition party to put out 40 pages of policy a year from an election. I don't recall any opposition doing that before. Um, and I think they that shows... most of the policy is old policy. Yeah, but there's it's a few the things in there like... The, last time. There's a few mm. things in there like the congestion tax, and what they're doing is um, beginning a nationwide focus group in a way. Mm. So this is their, their starting point and they're going to listen to what the public and their party members and unions and business has to say, which I think that's a very positive um, approach. And it shows they think 
that their point of difference against the government is seriousness. Obviously, their leader is not as popular as the Prime Minister, um, but the Prime Minister is falling in the polls, according to the Labour's internal polls and National's internal polls, and that's because increasingly she's seen as struggling in the job, and they're wanting to say, look, we're right, serious, yeah. we've got a... Uh, we want to have a serious discussion about New Zealand. What do you think, Matt? Well, I'm trying to keep a straight face, as Matthew is. Um, what it is, it's almost exactly the same policy they ran at the last election, and it got rejected. What they've had to sit down, how we're going to make... I mean, no, to be fair, I'll, 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 I'll did okay in the last no, election. No, I'm, no, yeah. I'm going to address what mm. is... Right, they've put on a few other things, you know, so I notice Paul, when he's up there, he says, you know, oh, we're going to cut... Re it's got a gimmickry, you know, say we're going to get rid of two re 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 regulations for everyone we introduce. And you say, that's what Trump said. You know, this is like, it's not serious. On a regulation, and the say, government of is Canada. it a good and Canada. regulation or not? Yeah. It's not like mm. in numbers. Like, it's mm. like anyone who thinks that's the, uh, uh, oh, the answer, I've got two words. Leaky, build, build, buildings. How did that go? You know, oh, free, we don't have regulation. Or do I like, it's there to protect us, whether it's childcare, where you have qualified staff, where they have warm houses. There's good regulation, there's bad, bad reg, uh, uh, regulation. That's kind of thing. They then have raised up a number of things in terms of mm -hmm. taxes and that, but not saying what they're going to do to pay for it. So, for example, I actually support the thing about the raise, raising the threshold each year. But in the first year, that's going to cost 650 mil. Now, to be fair, where's that going to come from? They haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, you could interpret a paradox or two in this document, couldn't you, Matthew? And you say, you know, they want to, they want to increase capital investment significantly, but at the same time, they want to dramatically reduce taxes, yes. we understand, yes. and regulations. I wouldn't say it's dramatic. I, you know, it, it's certainly not a radical document, as you said. Mm. It's more Bill English-type National Party with yeah. a few Paul Goldsmith things in it, but... So it's, it's not some radical right-wing document. It's, it's basically the beginning of a discussion document based on where they were. Mm. They don't feel they did a terrible job in government over the previous nine years. Mm. Um, they think they were doing fairly well and they think that things were looking good when they left office. So that's what you'd expect I from their policy. Though, and so it's almost like they haven't been in government, because you're right, right? For nine years, all the things that they are now putting up, they could have done themselves in nine years. It's like they were ne ne never there. But they're carrying out the same old thing. We'll get on to superannuation a bit, I know. But, but just for example, they're going back, say, you know, we're going to reduce mm. the ta ta taxes, et cetera, et cetera. But what they don't say, they say, well, actually, New Zealand's ta taxes are very low. You know, compared to Australia, the corporate tax, we've got 28, they've got 30. Their highest tax rate is 45%. And so... As a matter of policy, though, I would have thought New Zealand should try to have a lower corporate no, but, rate than Australia. Mm. But um, because company tax works as a yeah. What we should have is the Australia. same taxes yeah. as that corporate tax and wage earners yeah. should be no more, that, that, that corporates have got less tax than, than, than wage so earners. So can the electorate swallow a hike in superannuation, even if it is no. 18 years down the line? No. Well, if, if you're wanting to be cynical about this, you'd call it virtue signalling. No. Because <laughs> what they're saying is in 17 years, if they win five elections, then two years into their sixth term, None of them they will begin this process. Mm. So I think, again, what this is, is an attempt by them to say that we've got a non-serious government that can't run a programme, and they're saying we're serious people who are looking forward oh, to the that's, future. And that's, that's, that's why that's in there, because, as you say, there's no reason... But it's not serious, Matthew. You know that. Look, they have no intention, 1937... I mean, uh, 2037... What you've got, if you really want to address the super... We've done all this before. 
You know, various parties, you know, both parties have come up with this and it was never popular. And it's, it's, it's a keep in mind that this current Prime Minister's completely yeah, put it off and the And Winston table. said, remember John yeah. Key said, if they did that, he would resign. You know, mm. this has no popular support. If they're serious about super, which they're not, how about addressing the fact... Now, I, I, I want one minute to do this because I think it's important. It's that you address... You seconds. No, I'm yeah. going, OK, I thought that, that that's all I need, right? If you want to address inequities in superannuation, Māori and Pacific Island people live six years less. Now, that means they, they actually get, on average, 148,000 less on super. No one's going to address that because it's too difficult. Then address the factors that superannuants, increasingly as they older, are all working. Well, you should put and a submission in on that no, no, point, no, no, Matt, no, 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 no. But process. everyone works now in white collar. Mm. The blue collar workers get their bodies destroyed. They need that money. The white collar workers are continuing to work. So there's an equity all the way down the line. That's how you're going to address it. Not doing this. This is silly. Let's talk digital strategies. Really interesting story yeah. from Fena Owen this evening. Is mm. it OK for us, if indeed this is the situation to have a campaign being run on fudged facts and half-truths? Well, there's nothing new about this. No. This is just shock horror. There's a new technology. Mm. You know, people would have said the same when TV started, when radio started, whenever. What, it's what, not transparent, though, isn't it? It I mean, never the, was. The problem is, it never was. But, but the problem is, I mean, we, mm. when, it's, when it's on television, if it's a television ad or it's someone no, no, in, in an interview, for example, yeah. I mean, yeah. everyone can see that. But, but when, it's, when it's isolated to a certain person's but, Facebook timeline... And what used to happen is when parties wanted to distribute information or, or misinformation mm. to particular... Our voters, their MPs would go around the country and have private meetings with party supporters and other interest groups and, and say things which may or may not be true and spread information through mm. the community that way. If anything, this is more transparent mm. than that. I think there's a whole lot of paranoia about this new technology. There's no magic about this. Anyone with a Facebook page can, can click on boost um, post mm. and choose the people they want to talk to. Um, you know, this right. is the way of the future. I want to ask about Judith Collins very quickly. Um, she indicated today she's going to be voting against zero carbon. What does this mean, do you think, Matt? It means that a time, time has come and gone and it's our desperate measures. She crosses that floor, then we'll see how many other MPs go with her. That, that'll be the test. Well, Matt King from North will be there. <laughs> so that's two. Um, I think that... Um, that her best role would be, it's a bit like a Don Brash after their biggest defeat, having someone hard, tough, you know, and hard line. I think that um, uh, why Nat National won't win the next time, and I don't think, you know, with respect to my brother here, won't make the difference, is they haven't got a clear difference between this government, that, 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 that tinkering. That Judith, I think her time was a year or two ago. I don't think it is, and what she's doing now is just pissing me off. I think it's academic at this point. The issue is the 47% methane target, which is incredibly high. 35% is what mm. you know, most people were expecting. Um, if Labor insists on keeping the 47% uh, methane target, then New Zealand First won't mm. be voting for this. National won't be voting for it. They'll all be voting against. The bill won't go through. So yeah. it's academic, I think, just, at this stage. Just before we go, uh, Matthew, a question for you. I, I saw online today uh, you made comments after those appalling suicide statistics mm. were released for, for the last year. From a political perspective, what can be changed or should be changed? Oh, yeah, the previous government did not take this issue seriously for nine years. So the nine years of neglect narrative is correct with respect to mental health. But the new government 
is now two years into its term. It has finally decided to spend $1.9 billion on mental health. Don't know how it got that figure because it doesn't know how it's going to spend the $1.9 billion. And there's a further round of consultation to allocate it. And, you know, we had a debate when this government came in mm. that it thought it might have a zero target. It shows how hollow and shallow its actual policy development process for mental health has been. Right. We have to keep moving. Thank you so much for your time this evening, Matthew Hooten and Matt McCartan, Tina Kordua. Stick around, we'll have your feedback on all of our interviews after the break. Welcome back. Thanks for your feedback. On Fena Owen's story about political parties and digital campaigning, this tweet, whatever happened to honest campaigning? Obviously a bit old-fashioned, I guess. On our interview with Paul Goldsmith, Mama Taz tweeted, I'm sorry, but changing careers as a 60-plus person is not a walk in the park. Sadly, ageism exists, especially in the workplace. Robin Jackson emailed, Retraining for another career as an older person is not a solution for, uh, for raising the retirement age to 67, and people are forced out of the workforce well before 67. And on our interview with Meng Foon, Rowan West tweeted, What a great Kiwi. Looking forward to seeing what good he does. Tonight is up next. Thanks for watching and kia ora koutou i ngā karere. That means thanks for your messages. Thanks to the Q&A team. Hey tērā wiki. We'll see you next Monday evening at 9.30. Q&A is made with the support of New Zealand On Air.